Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Overstimulated. That is the word of the day. Nothing personal. It's the 1st of October. When I woke up this morning, I went to bed about 3.30 last night because I was watching the end of the Dodger-Brewers game, which ended only a few minutes after the Yankees-Indians game, though it started three hours later, but we'll get to that. And I didn't know what date it was. I hadn't really thought much about it. Fell asleep around 4, woke up at 6.37, and... My brain was overstimulated. I could not get it to calm down. It was such a day yesterday, and I need to understand how to be better. There were eight Major League Baseball playoff games and an NBA Finals game. The game started slowly because there was only one game at noon yesterday. Then a game started at one. Not bad. You just go last channel. You're good to go. You don't need a flip to unless both games are to commercial and then you have a flip two movie ready. Then two o'clock, the Marlins Cubs start. Now we've got three games going. There's no chance that three games will ever be in commercial at once, but they were. So I kept the flip two. Then there was a five o'clock, a seven o'clock, a 10 o'clock, a four o'clock. I'm trying to watch important moments of each game. You end up missing the important moments of every game. I couldn't figure out picture in picture. Don't think I have it. Try to figure out if I could be on the iPad and on the phone and on the TV, but I found myself to be dizzy by that. I don't see it's like being in a sports bar. I find it to be very, although I don't remember ever being in a sports bar because it's been so long, but there's so many TVs and you don't know what to watch. Am I the only one who ends up watching nothing? I understand why MLB scheduled this way because it is a frenzy. It's phenomenal. It's in, it's, It's overstimulating. But then you have to remember all the games because you go on CBS Sports HQ to talk about them. Then you're going to do a nothing personal show where you're trying to keep track. And then you try to remember who's playing who and when, what happened during the game. So I'm going to recap a few things that are well worth mentioning, at least in my opinion. And it's our show, so we both think they're worth mentioning. What do you think? Carlos Correa is a player for the Houston Astros. He is a World Series winning player. He is one of the picks that the Astros got when they lost those 100 games in a row, I believe. Koki was one of those top picks in the draft. The Astros disposed of the Minnesota Twins, swept them two games to none. Poor Minnesota. They lost their 18th postseason game in a row. Put that in perspective. Yesterday, we told you they set the record at 17. To lose 18 games in a row, I just don't know how you do it. So they've now lost nine playoff series in a row. I think I'm right about that. I sort of get that. You can lose playoff series, but to not even by accident win a game. 
in baseball, it is almost impossible to win 18 games in a row. And it is equally as difficult to lose 18 games in a row. Now, of course, when you're playing the Astros, you're thinking to yourself, I want nothing more than to beat this team. They're full of first round picks. Remember, it was like 10 years ago that Correa was the first pick on the draft, or maybe that was the year we started as the Miami Marlins. Back in 2012 is when Correa, thank you, Coca, was the uh, first round pick. So the Astros are playing. Everyone's rooting against them. Everyone's rooting for Minnesota. They have a great offense. They're starting Jose Barrios, who would be a number one starter on about 10 teams. He started the second game for Minnesota. Nelson Cruz, the 40-year-old, we went through their whole team. They simply couldn't hit. And meanwhile, Dusty Baker is throwing out no Verlander. Greinke was okay. He's throwing out a bullpen made up of starters, Javier, a starter who ended up going deep again, like they had the starter go deep in game one. And lo and behold, the Astros sweep. The Astros are moving on. Great. People are celebrating a little bit because you're past the wild card. Now you're just into the division series, which is frankly when the playoffs start. When we were in the playoffs, that's the first series. It's the division series. You're a wild card team. You play the division winner with the best record, and that's the division series. Now you got to get through a two out of three just to get into a three out of five in the division series. You haven't won anything yet. Now, I'm not yucking on any of these teams, yum. I'm going to celebrate and I'm going to sell into the fact that not just we were a playoff team, that's what you sell when you lose in the first round. But if you win the first round, you sell in to the, the fact that you are a series winning, not the World Series, but a series winning playoff team. So I understand that the Astros are excited. I understand they have a chip on their shoulder because they want to believe they would have won the World Series even without cheating. We'll never know. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Carlos Correa puts on his mask, gets in front of the microphone, and that's when things went sideways. Sideways? Sideways. Quote, I know a lot of people are mad. Side note, dogs get mad, people get angry. I know a lot of people are mad. I know a lot of people don't want to see us here. But what are they going to say now? Carlos. I went right on CBS Sports HQ when this quote came out, and I did the following right on the air. And I think the bosses at HQ said, wait a minute, that's a little too nothing personal for us here on HQ. Although I thought it was funny. I went like this. If you're watching this on YouTube, then you can see what I do. If not, you're just going to hear, shh, be very, very quiet. Dr. Evil, I'm walking into that clubhouse as team president. And I'm saying to Mr. Correa, we got enough problems. Could you just keep your yapper shut until we win the World Series? And then I promise you, I will give you the microphone. You will lead off the parade. You can be in the first car. You can take the microphone first before Jim Crane. You can say anything you want. You can gloat. Just don't open your mouth when we won a two out of three series to get into the division series. What have we done? What are they going to say now? Here's what they're going to say now. You haven't won crap. Great. You won a first round series against a team that had lost 16 in a row before meeting you. Great. I understand the need for athletes and their ego because executives have the same ego. It is so hard to hold your tongue sometimes. 
I've spent many a day shouting into a pillow, calling up my head of PR and using him as a punching bag of oratory skills because I wanted to say things to people and I took a breath. I didn't want to create bulletin board material except when I did. And every time I did, I did it on purpose. Correa wasn't trying to create bulletin board material for the next round. They're going to play either the A's or the White Sox who have a deciding game three today, October 1st. But what Correa did do is continue the narrative that the Houston Astros are so cocky. They're so unlikable. They are so tone deaf and clueless that they are doing nothing but bolstering the case for people to despise them as opposed to trying to turn the narrative. Maybe go for a little sympathy. Show a little humility when you meet the media after beating the Twins. Hey, they're a great opponent. We just, we happened to catch them. Got great pitching, some timely hitting, and we look forward to the next round. Now, that is a statement. It's not sexy. There's room for sex in the champagne room. Although there's no champagne this year. MLB said no alcohol. I guess we have to rename it. There is room for sex in the we are sneaking in the champagne room. Carlos, you've won. You know better. You know who doesn't know better, though? He just doesn't, is Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer is incredibly talented. We've talked about him so much on Nothing Personal. I love, did you see his post-game media? Coke and I were pre-gaming. God, I wish we were actually pre-gaming. We were actually preparing for the show. And he pointed out that Bauer after the game yesterday, Braves versus Reds game one that went 13 innings, one nothing Braves victory. The longest ever scoreless game in the history of the postseason, scoreless after 11. Bauer wore a shirt asking you to follow him on YouTube. He's got a whole social media component. It, he want, it said, get me to 100,000 subscribers by the end of the year or something. It was funny. I'm good with all of his antics because he backs it up with skill. The thing is, when you have the antics... You backing it up is not as important as your team backing it up. Trevor Bauer's the same guy that took the ball from Terry Francona, whipped it, whipped it before he gave the ball to Terry Francona when he's been taken out of an Indians game last season, took the ball, whipped it into the outfield stands from the mound, and then Cleveland traded him to Cincinnati. He's the same guy who has gotten into it with the commissioner, with other players, everybody. So Trevor Bauer had a phenomenal start. Seven plus maybe 11 strikeouts, unhittable. He leaves the mound in a scoreless game and he is giving the chop. The chop is what happens at Braves games when there are Braves fans. I don't think it had anything to do with the offensive nature of that cheer. He was mocking the Braves and mocking Braves fans. And when I was a fan... In 1996 of the Yankees, when the Yankees beat the Braves, I did the same thing. And I would do it with voice too. Uh, 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 uh. I hated going to Braves games when I was president of the Marlins or the Expos 
because you hear it in your sleep. It reverberates because that's all they do all game long. And I remember getting back to the team hotel and it would be like after a concert when your ears are ringing, but it's that, that ringing of joy when you have music in your head and songs in your soul. You've been dancing and everything's great, but this, oh, 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 oh it's like a terrible canter. But Bowers giving the chop, but then the team loses, which opens him up to what Freddie Freeman, the likely National League MVP, said after the game when asked about Bauer doing the chop. And he said, listen, he had every right to. He pitched great. I'm just happy we won the game. That is a professional baseball player. The key to the game yesterday, Trevor, was not that you pitched seven scoreless. The key is that you lost one nothing. It's a game of results. There is no second place. You either win or you lose. It is the sports is so wonderful because it's the most binary thing in the world. There's no discussion. There's no moral victories. Hey, I did great. It would have been better if I had just done that one little thing differently. Sort of like getting a test, right? A, a, uh, like a, an SAT or a multiple choice test, the bar exam. Listen, if I had just gotten those 10 questions right, I wouldn't have failed. But you didn't. Freddie Freeman is one game away from taking his Braves into the second round, into the division series. They continue that series. That game featured 37 strikeouts, second only to the Yankee-Indian game, which featured 19. Teen walks. I sat there for four hours, 50 minutes, plus an hour and 60 minute rain delay. That is six hours and six minutes. Six hours and six minutes. 19 walks. Throw the ball over the plate, please. It's so hard. One of, one of the, we would say to pitchers, we had a thing when we were evaluating pitchers. I'm sure I've talked about this, Coco. We would say to them, if you want to stay in the big leagues, do not walk any hitters. We know there's going to be a few walks, but we just say you must have command. No walking. Because in this day and age, and even back in the day, when two and three run homers are happening, you don't want traffic on the bases. 19 walks and a blown save by Brad Hand, a clutch back and forth, big home run by Stanton, big grand slam by Gio Ursula, an unbelievable Moved by Sandy Alomar, the manager of the Indians, who got crushed on the media for pinch hitting for Josh Naylor. Coco wanted a whole segment on how stupid Sandy Alomar was to pinch hit for Josh Naylor. And he wanted me to talk about a Jeff Passan tweet. I will not talk about Jeff Passan on this show. You can't be a consequentialist in baseball. As much as I am and as much as I want to be, you cannot and the reason you cannot is that do you think the Indians didn't realize when they pinch it for now that the Yankees were going to bring in Losania and take out Zach Britton? Of course they did. The first thing you do when you make a, when you're pinch hitting is you decide with your offensive coordinator, your hitting coach and your analytics people, what is the matchup? And that matchup is decided before the game. If we have a scenario where we can get Britain out of the game, we are going to do it. We will pinch hit for anyone in order to get Britain out of the game. doesn't matter that Naylor was 5 for 5 or 5 for 6 or 10 for 11. We're looking at the numbers of every hitter against every pitcher. We're looking at the three batter minimum rule. 
the Indians had a plan, forget the fact that it works. That is not even what I'm evaluating. When I'm evaluating a manager and a hitting coach and an analytics department, I'm watching how they use the information that they have in order to put us in a better position to win. But in baseball, a better position to win means maybe instead of a 30% chance for a 300 hitter, you've improved it to a 31% chance because you think he'd be a 310 hitter versus a 300 hitter. And that is a decision worth making. Yankees are moving on. Thank God for the networks. They need the Yankees way more, way more than they needed the Indians. The AL Central, terrible. Twins out in two, Indians out in two. The White Sox lose today. The White Sox are out in three. That'll do it. Yankees raise second round. That is going to be a five-game series worth watching. You're going to get Cole and Snell. Remember, the Yankees and Rays are now going into a bubble. It's either, I'm completely blanking, Coca. They're either going, they're going into either Los Angeles or into San Diego right now. They're going to San Diego. They're going to bubble there for the weekend. And that series will start Monday. Coincidentally, the playoffs started on Tuesday. So Cole pitched Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Wait, did he pitch Tuesday or Wednesday? When did the playoffs start? They started on the 29th, which would be Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That means Garrett Cole and Blake Snell are on extra days rest. They'll start game one. That'll be one hell of a five-game series. We'll preview it later. Just know those teams... They do not like each other at all. All right, Coca, let's talk a little more MLB playoffs with a very interesting question from a fan. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. You want to talk to Samson? You want to talk to Samson? At David P. Samson at Twitter. Don't forget this Saturday, we're going to have the mailbag bonus pod that will be released. Go to YouTube. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Download and subscribe if you're listening to this pod. If you're a first-timer, thank you. I appreciate you giving us a try. If you're a long-timer, I like long-timers. Appreciate your loyalty. Tell a friend, let's keep building this show because I'm enjoying it, so let's keep going. So you want to talk to Sampson is when you ask a question in the direct message on Twitter, which are public. Be respectful or not. The question was, Is Major League Baseball allowing fans at World Series games simply because of money? Question mark. (laughs) You you know how to get me. You know how to get me right here, right here, right in my heart. So here's the deal. MLB decided that the World Series, which will be held at Globe Life Field in Texas, they're going to allow a capacity of 11,500 people. They're going to sell tickets. They're creating pods. You will sit in a pod with the group with which you buy tickets. That pod will be separated by at least six feet from every other pod. So if you're at the end of a row, there'll be people in the middle of the row behind and then people in the front of the row on the other side. Suites will only be no group suites. It'll be all be people who are together. I guess in theory who have quarantined together. Texas is the perfect state to try this. Why not? Interestingly enough, a little nugget from baseball. They will not allow any fans, quote, within 20 feet of the players or the dugouts or the bullpens or the locker rooms, but you can be in six feet of each other. I like that rule because that just covers all sorts of financial sin, doesn't it? 
it means that six feet isn't good enough if you're a player, but it's damn good if you're buying tickets. Why is MLB allowing fans? Because they've got to start the process of figuring out how they are going to have a 2021 season. They need Globe Life Field to figure out how they are going to host fans. They need all the other stadiums to pay attention. They have all the operations people from around baseball working with the operations people in Texas, working with Major League Baseball as they figure out best practices for how to do a brand new, uh, it's not called a seating chart, Coca, manifest, a ticket manifest, what the rules are going to be. All of that is an operational reason why they're doing it. But that's not the only reason. Let's talk about money. The deal with the players is that if this season makes it through the playoffs, which right now it looks very positive that it will, we are literally 27 days from today would be game seven. That's all they need is 27 more days. Game seven in the World Series, if it even goes seven. The players were promised an incremental $50 million if the postseason is played to completion. Any revenue above that, and there is revenue above that. Why? Were you able to watch the games yesterday, Coca? I was. Guess what? Those weren't free. That's a broadcast deal. That's revenue to baseball. 11,500 people going to games, that's revenue for baseball. That does not go to the Texas Rangers. That goes to Central Baseball, which they then distribute to the 30 teams once paying their expenses. Anytime you can get fans in any seat, in any number, because you've got agreement with the local government, you've got a willingness of a league to do it, you're going to see it happen. Now, maybe there aren't 30,000 fans who want to go to a World Series game in Texas because they're scared. Maybe MLB is saying 11,500, even though they feel like we could probably get 20 in there safely, but we're going to have an abundance of caution. But when they set the ticket prices, which will range anywhere, I bet, I don't know that it's been announced yet, my guess is anywhere from 100 to $500 for a ticket because there's no more behind the plate. There's no more first row. But I'm guessing, say, 100 to 500 again. The financial department and the CFO of Major League Baseball, they do a spreadsheet. They work with the Texas Rangers finance department as well because they're pretending the Rangers are the host of the World Series. Usually, you work with the CFO of the home team. So you work with both teams during the course of the World Series. It is a whole thing. The, the audit that takes place when you are on the playoffs, our poor finance department with the Marlins in 03, they, they practically missed games. They were meeting with baseball so often, going through every number, every receipt, every ticket, everything, every hot dog. So the Rangers will be taking that role, and the Rangers are going to see how, they'll ball, how, how their ballpark plays. So this is a benefit to fans, in Texas. This is a benefit to the Rangers operationally, but the overriding impact, the overriding reason for this decision, say it with me because you know it. Come on. It's business. We come back, we're going to get to the NBA finals and what could have overshadowed 
We're going to get to some talk about the Los Angeles Angels. But when we come right back, we're going to review a Bruce Springsteen song. We'll be right back. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Guess what? We have a movie to watch. There's a movie that someone told me, and it's called Thunder Road. Thunder Road is a movie that has nothing to do with the song by Bruce Springsteen, one of the great songs. Do you know one of the words in Thunder Road is Roy Orbison? Anyway, that's a little little known fact, because if you don't read the lyrics to the song, you can't really understand that he's saying Roy Orbison, but he is. But I never used to sing it right. But then I did when I saw it written. So this is a movie called Thunder Road. Not about it's not a musical. It's not with Bruce Springsteen. It's not about Bruce Springsteen. It's not a documentary. It is a movie that is written, directed and starring an actor named Jim Cummings. It is a quirky, fascinating 90-minute movie that was born out of a short that Jim Cummings had done. And if you're not willing to give me 90 minutes for a movie that when you look at the trailer, you're going to say, wow, I'm not sure this does it for me, then do me this one solid. Watch the first eight minutes. That's it. The beginning of this movie starts with Jim Cummings. He is giving a eulogy for his mother. He is standing in front of her casket and talking to the people at the funeral. It looks like it was one take. It's an extended take. It's brilliant. I admit I'd never heard of Jim Cummings before. He has a talent that is awkward. He has a skill that is not entirely transparent. And he put himself in and wrote and directed a movie that was extremely memorable. It's called Thunder Road. He's a policeman. 
He's troubled. He's interesting. Give it eight minutes. Okay. What else did I do last night? I told you I watched the eight games. And then, of course, I also watched the NBA Finals. So the thing about the Finals is when you're watching the Finals, you have a, uh, a desire to have your home team win. Obviously, I'm from Miami. Actually, I'm, I was born and raised. I was born in Milwaukee, raised in New York, lived here since 2002. I never understood when people say, hey, where are you from? I don't answer Milwaukee or New York. I'm from here. This is where I am. Home is anywhere you hang your head, Elvis Costello once perfectly wrote. That's a song by Elvis Costello, by the way. So I'm rooting for the heat. I'm looking at LeBron James. I'm watching the game. And I'm wondering, does the NBA realize they're going to have a hard time getting seven games here? The Lakers just completely outplayed the heat. But I was focused on something else that was going on yesterday. I was picturing what was going on in Philadelphia. And here is what happened. Hey, uh, Josh, it's David. Josh Harris. Yeah, I know who you are. Hi, it's Josh Harris. I know, the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers. David, David Blitzer, I know, you're my partner. We own the Sixers. All right, we're having a quick conversation. We have a mate, we have a coaching, you know, we fired Brown. We got to bring in a coach. You know, I heard Samson on Nothing Personal guarantee that we're bringing in a coach with NBA experience. I think we got to go after Mike D'Antoni. I mean, we should interview Ty Lue as well, but, you know, we really have to, we need something better. We got Embiid, we got Ben Simmons, we let Butler go, and I'm watching the finals. It's making me absolutely crazy. But let's let's interview D'Antoni and Lou. But we got to tell them the truth. You know, we need to win. We need to win now. And we really are not going to drop any more maximum contracts. You know, he's got to win with what we have. All right? Just so let's let's bring him in. Wait a minute. David, I'm getting a text. David, I just got a text. It can't be. Oh, my God, did Balmer fire Doc Rivers? He did it. Oh, my God. Hold on, David. I'll, I'll call you right back. Um, hello, Doc? Doc, hey. Good, yeah, this is Josh Harris. I'm the owner of the Sixers. Hey, good to see you. Hey, Doc, I know that you just got fired. Super sorry about that. Really happy you have 10 million a year for the last two years. But, you know, we have an opening, and we've got a really good team. But can we meet with you because you're our guy? Hey, David, I just reached him. We're going to bring him in. Let's bring him into Philly. He'll meet with Elton Brand, but that won't matter. We're going to sit down and just see how much money he'll take in mitigation because he's still going to get paid by the Clippers, the $10 million. We'll save a couple bills, and we will bring in a man with a ring, a man with an incredible provenance as a coach and player. I'm going to tell D'Antoni that we'll be back to him because we're really thinking about this. And I'll say the same thing to Lou, but let's bring in Doc Rivers. Doc, can you, can you come to Philly? <clears throat> you know, the finals are on and I don't want to watch Jimmy Butler alone. Is there any way that you would come watch the game with me? So Doc Rivers flies into Philadelphia and he meets with Josh Harris and David Blitzer. They're watching the game together. And all I keep thinking of is when you're an owner and you are hiring a coach, you want the coach to tell you everything that he will do differently in order to get you your first ring. That's it. And if you have a ring, you want to hear him say, I will do the following five things differently to get you your second ring. You're not drawing up plays. You're not talking about team rules. 
Doc Rivers will get paid whatever it is that Josh Harris and David Blitzer want to pay him. But you're just calling up Doc and sitting there watching Jimmy Butler stewing. Furious. The game ends. You shake Doc's hand. You thank him for his time. You send him back on the plane back home. You then call D'Antoni and Lou and tell him, thank you. We're going a different direction. If Doc Rivers had never been fired, the Sixers never would have tried him, but he was. And they got out of D'Antoni and Lou so fast, your head will spin. The Sixers will end up hiring Doc Rivers. You know, coaches in the NBA, how important is Frank Vogel to the Lakers or Eric Spolster to the Heat? There are players who believe that coaches are important and other players who believe coaches are not. And as an owner, you think about that because I need my coach to control the locker room, control the clubhouse, to have the respect of the players or else it's simply not going to work. What do you do when you own the New Jersey Nets and you read that Kyrie Irvin, yeah, Kyrie, did I call him the New Jersey Nets again, Coca? I don't know how I do that. The Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets. He's on a podcast and he says, I don't really see us having a head coach. Kevin Durant could be a head coach. I could be a head coach some days. Durant said Jacques Vaughn could be a head coach. It's a collaborative effort. If I'm the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, I'm despondent beyond repair. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant have rings. There's no doubt about that. But who's taking that job knowing that they're simply patsies? They are Lee Harvey Oswalds. That's who the Nets are going to have to hire? So they bring in Steve Nash thinking, not white privilege, thinking this is a guy who can speak to Durant and Irving, thinking this is a young, hip guy. He's on it. He's all into social issues. He can speak to them on their level. He's been through it all. And the first thing one of Nash's players says is we don't really need a head coach. Now we're going to see if Steve Nash has any nuts. Because if he does, he's picking up the phone right now. And he's saying, hey, Kyrie, just a couple little nuggets here for you. I'm the head coach. And I'm excited to work with you. But let there be no misunderstanding. I'm in charge. When I call a play, you run that play or you don't play. You think it's an anarchy? You think it's a democracy? No, it's not any of those things. More likely, Steve Nash hasn't spoken to Kyrie Irving, or he texted him and Kyrie Irving may respond, may not. Steve Nash doesn't want to tread on the tire on the tracks of his all-star before even having a day of practice. But this is the moment where Steve Nash can become the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Right now, how do you react to Kyrie Irving today? Not when training camp starts, not when you've lost three games in a row, not when you've won three games in a row, not the big speech you give before opening night today. Steve Nash better be picking up that cell phone. So... We talk a lot during the show about presidents and owners and owners who are involved, 
owners who are not as involved, presidents who are involved, not as involved. We talk a lot about the Los Angeles Angels and what happened with Mike Trout, the fact that they can't make the playoffs. We knew they'd fire Billy Epler, their GM, which they did. They brought in Joe Madden to manage. It did not work so far. Could work. They signed Anthony Rendon. Did not work so far. Could work. They need pitching, no doubt. But before they do anything, they have to hire a GM. When you're in the process of hiring a manager or a GM, there is no reason to do it publicly at all. There are leaks that happen all the time. Some of the leaks, as you know, we start. Some of the leaks we choose not to finish. Some of the leaks we try to finish. But there are leaks that happen. Generally, when you're looking at a GM, you're going to break it down into a few categories. New school, young, first-time GM. Old school, multiple-time fire GM. Middle school, ready to be a GM, was a GM, ready to be president of baseball ops. You get everyone together. You get your top brains together. And you bring in people to interview. Generally, the owner is involved, if not at the first set of interviews, then certainly at the second and final set. Some owners take part in every interview. Some owners wait for round two and then take part. But every owner, with zero exception, every owner takes part when you're interviewing a GM, no matter what they tell you. Hey, I'm not involved. I leave it to my people. They're full of it. And it's their right. When you own something, that means you own your successes, you own your failures, you own your asset. The president of the Angels is a guy I know well. His name is John Carpino. And he was asked a very reasonable question by the media. He was asked whether or not he thought that Artie Moreno was going to be an issue when it comes to a new GM. Artie Moreno is famous for being meddling and famous for being involved. Artie Moreno had a trade with the Dodgers that the baseball people had agreed on this past offseason, and he himself nixed it. Artie Moreno has a reputation. When you have a reputation, it is known throughout baseball. But the total number of GM jobs in the game is 30. And that's it. There is no owner that a prospective GM will not work for. It doesn't exist. Because all that matters for GMs are being a GM. Some GMs will stand on ceremony. I'm only going to work if I'm in complete control. I'm only going to take this job if I get a three-year deal and I know for sure what your payroll is going to be. When it comes down to it, the guys who say that are the ones who have no offers. The ones who have no jobs. John Carpino was asked whether or not Artie Marino's involvement will actually become a barrier. And he said, quote, Artie Moreno likes being in part of the process, likes being a part of the process in baseball operations decisions. In my opinion, he deserves to be part of the process. He's the owner. 
That's a great statement by John Carpino, except he had three extra words in there. When you're saying something that defends your owner as the team president, you don't caveat it by saying, in my opinion, because what that means is you understand clearly that in other people's opinions, Artie Moreno's involvement has a negative impact on the success of the team. You cannot give even an inkling of a thought of a kernel of a possibility that you feel that way about your owner, even if you do. But his overall general statement is exactly right. It's not that he deserves to be part of the process. He deserves to be the process. All you do when you work for, for your boss, think about your own boss. What do you do when you disagree with what your boss wants to do? You give your boss your view of what you think is right. You give him the information or her the information or them the information to make the decision. And whatever decision is made, you follow it as a good employee, as a soldier. That's your job. You don't backtalk. You don't make the employees below you believe that there's any sort of fissure in the C-suite, CEO, CFO, COO. Not S-E-A suite, C as in C, as in chief. The Angels are going to hire a GM and they're going to get a qualified good GM because anybody wants any GM job, but the Angels are quite attractive. It's not that Artie Moreno doesn't spend money. He just doesn't spend it right. Maybe there is no way for any other solution but for him to name himself GM, but in baseball, it doesn't happen. It hasn't happened since who did that? Was it uh, Ted Turner named himself manager when he owned the Braves one year? I may be making that up, but I have some recollection that he did that. I don't think an owner has never has ever named himself GM, though many owners act as the GM, but they don't want to do the administrative stuff. They don't want to do the little piddlywink stuff. John Middleton, actually the owner of the Phillies, was very clear in meeting the media when he said, hey, when you bring in bullpen guys and sign them for a million bucks, just let me know what's happening in advance. I don't want to read about it. But when we're talking about a 10 or 12 or 13-year free agent, I'm going to know about it. That's going to be my decision. Wear it, Middleton. Wear it. And that's what Artie Moreno does. He doesn't hide from the fact that he's involved. Screw that. Why should he? Someone will be the GM. All right. Nothing personal pick of the day. My pick of the day is that Mike Trout's in trouble. No, I'm just kidding. My nothing personal pick of the day. Remember, we had two picks yesterday. Heat plus six. The Heat plus six. What I forgot to mention is that was a first 10 minute of the first quarter wager. My bad. I'm going to take the win for that because in my head, it was Heat plus six for the first 10 minutes of the first quarter. No, I'm just kidding. We lost. But we did win because we told you that Ryu had no chance against the Rays. Ryu didn't make it out of the second inning. Done. End of story. The Rays beat the Jays and swept to move on to play the Yankees. We are now 22-16, and 16, having gone 1-1 one and one yesterday. I was going to make a play on the Marlins-Cubs game, but we have information while we're recording. The Marlins and Cubs have been postponed. That is a nightmare for baseball. Not COVID-related, <clears throat> it's weather-related. I don't know why you postpone a 2 p.m. game unless there is truly a storm, Coca. Let's check the radar. Is there something going on in Chicago from now until 9 p.m. straight? 
Like, is it eight hours straight of rain? Because by not having them play today, they're not playing two seven inning doubleheaders tomorrow. They're going to play game two tomorrow, which is Friday, which means they have to play game three, which is Saturday, if there's a game three, which means the winner will then have to go to Houston and bubble for one day shy of what they needed to bubble, which, by the way, was already three to five days shy of what a real bubble should be. Any sort of hiccup to the playoff schedule was going to be a problem. So I'm going to check the radar as an amateur meteorologist. Just not now. Nothing personal pick of the day. We're going to do a parlay today. Let's do a parlay. I don't know what that means. I think that means you have to win both. And if you win both, you get paid extra. The Cardinals will sweep the Padres and the Dodgers will sweep the Brewers. Not a popular pick to say the Cardinals are going to sweep the Padres. Not a popular pick at all, especially before. But I hope you paid attention to the preview when I went through the teams that were going to win the wild card round because so far, I lost the Yankees because I had the Indians over the Yankees in three. But other than that, I think I'm doing pretty well. Parlay, cards, finishing off the pods, dodges, finishing off the brujahas. Can you imagine the Brewers got Christian Yelich to the plate with the tying run against Kenley Jansen last night at 115 in the morning? Hard to believe. He struck out. Game over. Okay. Wait to see. The Tampa Bay Rays will beat the Yankees and advance to the ALCS. I am picking that series right now as my way to see. I don't want to wait because to me, it is such an obvious choice, even though the Yankees may even be favored because people love betting their home team and the team they love. But the Rays should advance to the ALCS. Okay, I want to finish the show by saying thank you. Thank you. Last night were the People's Choice Podcast Awards. Nothing personal was nominated in the sports category. Nothing personal did not win. Fantasy footballers beat us. And I admit it. I was pissed. I wanted to win. I hate losing. I'm supposed to say to you that being nominated is all that matters. I did say to you in the past, thank you for helping this show get nominated. Thank you for your loyalty. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. I'm just happy to be nominated. I was full of it. I was only happy to be nominated when I thought we were going to win. Once we won, I'm not happy to be nominated. I don't like losing. Everybody says the honor was just being nominated. They're full of crap. There's winning and there's losing. You know what we needed? We needed to hire someone, Coca. We needed those people like at the Oscars when you're nominated for an Oscar, or the People's Choice Awards, when you take out the guys in the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. We did no whining and dining of anybody for the People's Choice Podcast Awards. We didn't try to figure out how votes are done. We didn't pump it. We didn't get on HQ or get on, on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. We didn't do any of that stuff. We, next time, we're going to hire someone. People's Choice Podcast Awards. We needed to win that because it's really good for business. I know, fantasy footballers. It's nothing personal. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. 
With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.